Welcome everybody to the Two Saints podcast show today with myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark H. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, and uh, basically, I hope everybody out, out there is doing well too and um, taking care of each other. And uh, thanks for basically taking the time to download the podcast and listen to Mark and I's dulcet tones. Absolutely, absolutely. And just a reminder, you can access the podcast via Acast, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. You can also access it via the YouTube channel, The Two Saints Show, and obviously the, um, on Facebook, The Two Saints Podcast Show on there. We've also got an email address for the show, which is the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com for any questions or features, um, features you'd like to see on future issues of the podcast. So, Coming up for you in the first half of the show today, we have the Two Saints review of Saints 3, Burnley 2 and Saints Club News and also Saints in the Press. So we'll take a very short break and we'll be straight back with the Two Saints preview, review sorry, of Saints 3, Burnley 2. It's the Two Marks, C&H on the Two Saints show, Fiesta 95FM. Right, welcome back everybody. So... Match report and reaction for you. A remarkable fight back seals a precious Saints win. Ralph Hassan-Hootle thought it was a deserved win, and Danny Ings thought the lads showed great character. Yeah, I thought it was um, sort of curtains at 2-0 down, Mark. I think, oh, here we go. This is terrible. 2-0 down, you're thinking, oh, this is awful. Um, but Saints produced a remarkable fight back from 2-0 down. Run out 3-2 winners. Um, failed 2-0 behind in the first half, but a stirring rally from the team meant they picked up a precious win. At least temporarily extended their gap over the bottom three to ten points. Not bad game, was it? Oh, I wasn't thinking that a two 0 down bush. To be fair, <laughs> don't be anyone wish. Give the briefest of synopsis there with a slightly biased slant. Of course, we are the two states <laughs> podcast show, so what should I expect? But just to put some sort of per- perspective on it, um, it was the most open game of football. Certainly was. Saints have been involved in this season. It was ridiculous. I mean, Burnley should have scored in the opening 10 to 15 seconds. Yep. That's the first thing to say. Yep. And, you know, to get the penalty, and it, and it was a penalty, Mark. There's no no dispute, mate. No, look, I'm, I'm not debating the penalty. What I'm okay. debating is the foul. What I'm debating is the foul that occurred before it. But I will say, on balance, I'm not surprised that wasn't given because guess who was on VAR that day, Mark? None other than John Moss. And it has nothing to do with anyway, John, Mo- John there Moss. Was, look at your fairness, stats before you start on him, John hang Moss. Hang on a minute. Mate. Hang on. Hear me out. Let me finish. Thank you. Let me finish. Let me finish. John Moss was on VAR that day, decided not to review the entire incident. So, obviously, there was a foul on Carl Walker-Peters previous to the penalty being given. I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty, but there was a foul on Carl Walker-Peters. It wasn't shown to the referee, and it wasn't given because the whole sequence wasn't shown. The only part of the sequence that was shown was the part where the referee actually had to make a decision whether or not to give a penalty. If the whole sequence had been shown, I'm not so sure a penalty would have been given. But, it is what it is. The penalty was given when you deal with it. But show the full sequence. Be consistent. All, all I'm saying is, at the time, you were saying not a penalty. Because it's of the foul on Carwell Computer. Irrespective of what went on before, it was, it was to me, it was handbag, handbags at two paces. Um, I just, the way, the way I look at it is, there was a, a lot of jostling going on for the ball. Yes, he pushed Carl Walker-Peters in the chest. But ultimately, Carl Walker-Peters decided 
I'm not having that. And rather than being controlled about what he was doing, he decided to try and give him a scissor, a scissor tackle it was in a rash the tackle. box. And that was tackle. why the penalty was given. It was a rash tackle. Yeah? yeah it was a rash tackle. you got to be honest about it. But yep. anyway, let's get tackle. off of that. Let's get off of that. So then basically they went 2-0 up. Good finish from Vidra. You've got to say that. Uh-huh. Never got there in the first place. It's literally just a ball over the top, isn't it? And basically, it's not. It's not. The thing is, is mate. The bottom line is, it was a goal, right? Oh, yeah, Irrespective of your gripes about it, doesn't matter whether it's trip yep. one, whether it was the best finish in the world, whatever. My point about it being Route 1 was not the fact that it was only going Route 1. It was how poor our defence were in response to it. Right. Well, all I'm going to say to you is, is and we've, we've talked this out anyway, right? They should have, what they should have done was swap over. Yeah. And the rec plays left centre-back for Poland anyway. Yep. So I don't understand why they didn't swap over. But then, you know, at the same time, and I'll come on to it later. But um, anyway, Burnley go 2-0 up. What I couldn't understand was the Burnley of old would have just shut up shop. Yep, part of the bus. Not even the Burnley of old. The Burnley that we know would have shut up shop. And yeah, they would have just part of the bus. It was, it was, as I say, the first 20 minutes was theirs. And then we came into it and... As I say, it was the most open, get ridiculously open game. Beautiful, beautiful play from Danny Ings in the lead up to Stuart Armstrong actually scoring the goal. I mean, it was an excellent layoff, good play yep. by him. Um, yep. And I have to say, it, you know, the 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 layoff this time round seems to have done him some good. You know, he, he looks back to the player he was sort of. Yep. You know, October, November time uh, during yeah, the season. Um, that all bodes well for, well, hopefully till the end of the season if he stays fit. Could have come um, a better time, really. But, and then, of course, you had the reverse where Danny Ings scores the equaliser, and that happens not long before the, obviously, the whistle for half time. And as Saints fans, you're sat there during the break thinking to yourself, right, for for once, are we actually going to come out and compete in the second half? Which, you know, the only other time I can think of was doing that in the second half was Chelsea away this season when we drew 3-3. Um, and, a, and a part, you know, but obviously the back of our minds were sat there thinking, okay, you know, they've done their normal, they've reacted, they've got back the 2-2, are they going to come out and perform in the second half? And and by and large, yes, it was it was like two boxers in a ring slugging it out, to be honest, because it seemed to be that, you know, they they were coming down our end, we were going up their end, you know. Um, we had a few breakaway chances. Uh, but thankfully, you know, crossover from um, Theo Walcott, and it was a good 
it was a good job that he had plenty of space to do it. Yep. So there was hardly anyone around him. True. And he managed to dink it over to Nathan Redmond, who was in a decent pit, uh, you know, bit of space. And thankfully, he put it away with some aplomb. And, oh, yeah. You know, just based on the last two games, you're thinking to yourself, has Ralph actually hit upon something when he's playing Nathan Redmond as a striker? Uh, yep. and, I, and I say that because, I'll, you know, I've always said to you that as far as I'm concerned, my preferred pairing is Adams and Ings all day long, you know? Yep. Uh, but having said that, he scores the goal. You had two breakaways that I can think of where... Theo Walcott basically showed us that he hasn't got the legs he used to have. Yeah. Uh, got caught very easily. I think the thing is, is people say, oh, he got the ball trapped under his feet. I, I would say that he sensed that he was going to get caught anyway. Um, I would I would have said that I would have probably ran off to the left-hand side of the pitch rather than running down the centre, personally, yep. and trying to take a bit of a breather and see what support I had. Yep. And then, obviously, we had the we had the miss from Shea Adams. But oh, what a miss that was. There was loads of shots that were on target when I think about it, though, as well. I mean... Let's not forget you know, with Ward Prowse one that clanged off the crossbar and bounced off the line. Yeah, exactly, right? So you had that. You also had... Stuart, Stuart Armstrong had another shot that was well Nick saved Pope, by yeah. Nick Pope. I mean, yeah. but both, I mean, it shows how open the game was because both goalkeepers made decent saves from shots well, that were going in. To um, me, there were three, three outstanding saves. I mean, Fraser forces one where he flung himself. Chris Wood's effort's going right in the top corner. Forces pushed it away. Brilliant save. The one in the 79th minute from point blank range. Fantastic. And yeah. one earlier in the game where he turned one round the post. Three absolutely key saves. Yes, the were Mark. Totally, totally. And and like I said, you know, Nick Pope, Stuart yep. Armstrong, Danny Ings, you know, and there was one or two others in there that looked like they were going in the back of the net. So, yep. you know, I have to say that obviously the three twos pleasing, you know, yep. on the on the downside, I suppose you would say. Slightly concerned in terms of the defence. I mean, you know, you and I were puzzled whenever Stuart Armstrong was picked for the person to come off. I still, I still say it was the wrong person to come off. The yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. But, I but think we're far bigger threat of him on the pitch. You know, as I've said before, it would seem that uh, Yannick Vestergaard had made a signal basically to say that the defence was being overrun. At the time yeah. during the second yeah. half, and that's why Ralph made the decision to bring on Salisu. Yeah, I mean, credit where it's due. Ralph obviously reacted to what was happening, and, and you know, for once he got it spot on, didn't he? It turned out to be a good decision in the end. On a hundred percent, you know, some sometimes obviously when we're sat there, you question different things because, yeah, the, the argument for me would be Stuart Armstrong was having a good game. Why yep. not take off somebody who's being less effective in the game? Absolutely. You know, that, that was probably the issue that I would have had, yep. would have had with that, you know. But 
as I said, it was the right call, but <coughs> Vestergaard was the man who gave the signal to Ralph to say, you know, we need help in here. Yep. Well, the stats are quite surprising as well, because um, when you look at the stats, it doesn't really bear out how the game actually went. So it was 53% possession Saints and 47 to Burnley, 24 shots for Saints, 7 for Burnley, 9 on target for Saints and 5 for Burnley. So that you know, that, watching the game though, you didn't realise quite how many shots there were, did you? Twenty-four no, in total, Mark. Not, not, not at all, my friend. Not at all. But does it surprise me? No, because it was, it was, it was way more open than you and I were expecting. Oh, I yeah. can't even remember what we were predicting, but suffice to say that you know, three-two. Who knew? Who knew would have been the oh, thing? But um. Yeah, I think I seem to remember you actually nailed it. You actually went free too, if I remember rightly, which but I thought was quite brave. But but the thing is, is well, what I, what I would say as well is it was just nice for once to be on the end of the right result rather Absolutely. than the end of the wrong result because it could have went so badly wrong on Sunday. But yep. thankfully, you know. The thing as well is the thing as well, Mark, to look at is, you know, if oh. we two 0 down in the injury crisis that we had during the season, right? Oh, we lost that. We've been coming back. No. So the point is, it it just goes to show that once you get most of the players back, I mean, the only people that we're missing now at the minute is Romeo and Smallbone, right? But once you get you know most of your players back. It just goes to show what a good start eleven you've got. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, and yeah. uh, no, it was excellent. Absolutely, anyway. made up with the wind. To be honest. Yeah, me too. You know, and um, makes everyone gives everyone a bit of breathing space to the end of the season as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, let, let's hope so. I mean, I'm not count, I'm not counting the chickens. Not me we've either. Got, we've got to do the preview of West Brom. We'll come on yep. to that later absolutely. on the show. Yep, so moving on from there, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll do Saints Club News and Saints in the Press. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints Show. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, Saints Club News and Saints in the Press. Saints Club News, Saints progress in the Women's FA Cup. Under-18s report Saints to Arsenal 2. Sportsbet.io goal of the month. Saints in the Press, Hassan Hulk predicts hot transfer summer but expects Ings to stay at Saints. I'm planning mm-hmm. another three years. Southampton boss Hassan Hootle clarifies his Saints' future. Vokins to undergo further heart checks as he recovers from COVID-19. Saints, Saints seeking consent for medical centre at club's training ground. And ex-Premier League star John Viafara at jail for 11 years for cocaine smuggling. So starting with Saints Club news and Saints in the press, we're starting with the club news. And it's Saints progress in the Women's FA Cup. The under-18s draw two all with Arsenal and sportsbet.io goal of the month. And for me, the winner of the goal of the month is Shay Adams. We'll get to that. How do you, Mark? So, right. So, the the women's uh, football, they beat three, they beat Plymouth 3-0. They did. Um, and they're set to play Yeovil United. And it was it was um, very richly deserved from, one of, from the report that I read. Yep. Um, seemed fairly comfortable. And Thank as you, you pointed Kendall. out to the listeners, they're due to play... Yeovil United in the next round this Sunday. Um, and then if they win there, 
they will play Lewis FC. Yep. Um, and then it gets slightly more difficult because I believe that the Premier uh, teams come in then after that. Yep. So let, let's see how far they can go. I mean, the thing is, is Mark, and it, it's interesting, okay, that um, they got to the League Cup semi-finals last season yep, yep. Um, and they beat teams that were obviously above them in the yep. league above and two leagues above. Yep. So they've shown, they've shown that obviously even though they're at a low base, they've got the players, you know, to beat teams that are higher up the permit than they are. And, um, I mean, the thing is, now that they know the league is not in void again, um, and they're having to start off from scratch for a third time, um, which has annoyed me no end. But um, a little bit, definitely. But having said that, I mean, it gives them... You know, plenty of scope because they know that basically the only games they're going to be playing this season is in the FA Cup. Absolutely. So give it, give it your best, and let's see where they can go. But yeah, and you'll be. I mean, at you'll the be... end of the day, the, they've been the one bright spot in an otherwise wise sort of slightly grey existence. To be fair, definitely. Um, you know, if you if you follow everything Saints wise, absolutely. Um, so. You know, good luck to the girls, and let's hope they can get a win against Yeovil United on Sunday. Absolutely right. And the first goal was scored by Lucy Kendall. We'd be pleased to know, Mark. It was uh, courtesy of a mini mock cross. So, mini mock, obviously, play, you know, play about. So, uh, yeah, the first goal came courtesy of a mini mock cross. Second goal was from Rachel Panting sneaking in at the far post. So, uh, there you go, Rachel Panting on the score sheet again. Not yeah, there. Well, she's always on the score yeah. sheet, mate. And uh, the winner actually came from Rosie Parnell, who, um, after the keeper had saved, Phoebe Williams flicked effort at the near post. So, uh, three players we know an awful lot about in the women's team. Obviously, Phoebe Millimott and uh, Rachel Panting. So, yeah, good to see them getting on the score sheet. No real surprise there. So, moving on to the under-18s. They drew two all with Arsenal, which is, um, is their first point of the season, Mark, is it? No, well, it... The eighth point of point season. Six points to seven, seven or oh. eight points. Eight yeah, points. Right. I think it's seven points they're currently on, but still firmly rooted to the bottom of their section. Um, yep. All, all I would say is, mate, again, you know, you've got to extenuate the positives of it. You know, it, it's a point in what has been a difficult, a difficult. Uh, season. I mean, yeah. you know, we've we've been through it. Obviously, they're trying to in- implement this SFC playbook. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is according to the powers of be at the club, it's more about development of the players than it is winning matches. But I mean, you and I have our own thoughts on that. We've already we've already expressed them on here. We have. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to, you know, you've got to take the positives while you can. You know, it's it's two two, and you know, it's a good point for them. Yeah, even, absolutely. Even absolutely. though it was at home, it was still a good point for them. Yep, definitely. So moving on to the sportsbet.io goal of the month, some really good goals here, Mark. Actually, it was Nathan Redmond against Bournemouth, Shea Adams versus Sheffield United, and Will Ferry with a very good goal against. Um, Sorry, bear with me a second. 
Yeah, Will Ferry against Arsenal, the under-23. So, uh, Will Ferry's goal was fantastic, Mark, to be fair. Yeah. Great himself, bent it in from the edge of the area. Fantastic. Shay Adams, stunner against Sheffield United that I don't think anybody was saved. That was only going in one place in a minute it hit his boot. <laughs> and uh, Nathan Redmond against Bournemouth. For me, Shay Adams, I thought, was phenomenal. I mean, all, all, all I'm going to say on all three goals, yes, I, I'd say that this month's is way more difficult than last month's. Yeah. But then, but then the winner that I was expecting last month didn't win it. So what do I know? Maybe it isn't that difficult to pick yeah. up this month. Saints fans managed to completely confound Mark last week, uh, last month, by uh, voting for completely the goal he didn't think they were going to vote for. <laughs> exactly. They all voted for James Ward-Prowse, which, to be fair, was just the easiest way of voting, to be fair. I thought it was a bit of a... Yeah. I think everyone missed a trick there. But um, the youngsters got as far better. But the yeah. interesting, the interesting thing, like you said, Mark, it, it's probably a lot. I mean, to me, to me, there's a standout because of the technique, right? But having looked at all three goals, I mean, you know, we remarked at the time about Nathan Redmond's goal because we yeah. thought that he'd actually gone Run too far, over, yeah. gone too far yeah. over, basically. Yeah. And it, you know, it's one of those where you think he's not scoring from there. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, you know, oh, you know, and then and then you've got basically a placement from Will Ferry, but it was yeah. it was more the way that he placed it. Yeah. It was inch perfect, really. Yeah, he knew exactly um, where the keeper was. But I just think for technique alone, and it, and it is you know it is basically technique alone. I mean. Yeah. You know, from the moment it left this boot, it was only going in one place. And Absolutely. I'm afraid, you know, this is probably the first time I'm going to go populist, right? Because I'm expecting him to win it. And if he doesn't <laughs> win it, I don't know what the Saints fans are thinking, but they're not even on the same planet as me, to be fair. But um, I just think technique, technique boys... If you look, if you look at his body shape when he's actually hitting it, the head's kind of down a bit, and yeah, he knee and over it. He just over it and strikes it. It's yeah. just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing, mate. I yeah, tell you. you know? Yeah, and uh, the, the one he, the one he scored after that for Scotland wasn't a bad one either. He took that from the edge of the area. That was a pretty neat finish as well. To yeah, no, it wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. But no, so you know, I, do, I dare say that the the Saints fans will try to compel me again. But hey ho. Quite possibly, quite possibly. Right, anyway, moving on to Saints in the press. Ralph Hassenhutl predicts a hot summer transfer, a uh, hot transfer summer, sorry, but expects Danny Ings to remain at Saints. According to Sky Sports, City have looked at the likes of Erling Haaland, Man City have looked at the likes of Erling Haaland, etc., to boost their striking options, but see Ings is a more attainable option. Well, according to Pep Guardiola, they're not after an Aguero replacement, so that's probably not happening. But Ralph Hassenhutl thinks that uh, it's going to be a hot transfer summer. Yeah, I mean... Following on from the other stuff, I mean, obviously we're going to cover, we're going to cover it more in the pod next week. Yep. Obviously. And obviously, Ralph's also planning a further three years at Saints, Mark. So he's not done with his project yet. Yeah, I mean, look, look. The thing is, is he was he was never leaving, mate. I right. mean, all right. this, it, all it is, is noise, right? Yep. A lot of it gets generated by media. A lot of yep. it's generated by our own, our own fans, unfortunately. I was going to say, yeah. sadly, when it comes to Ralph out, all of that was coming from our fans, I'm afraid. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, I don't, I, you know, I don't get it. I, th- You know, I think the thing is, is when, certainly when we've got injuries, right? I mean, we're never, ever going to have a squad of players where you sit there and you go, he's brilliant, he's brilliant, he's brilliant, he's brilliant, he's, you know. It's never, yeah, those days are gone, unfortunately. It's never going to be like that. As the no, same. no, those, those days are a distant memory, I'm afraid. The, the difficulty... The difficulty that you've got is that we all knew at the start of the season that the fixtures were going to be condensed, right? And the great the great thing was, was you know, after a bit of a dodgy start, to be fair, because we lost to Crystal Palace and then we lost to Brentford in the Cup, you know, we regrouped, we got it back together. Um, and, ba- and basically, we kicked on from there. You know, we were riding high. We were a team that didn't have any injuries. And then all of a sudden, sort of from early December, sort of late November, early December onwards, you know, the injuries started to come. And really, at the end of the day, you know, this was the first sign, this, this, this game that happened on Saturday, or Sunday, sorry, this was the first sign of those players all returning, uh, you know. So uh, the thing is, is when when you've got to be ready for the sandstorm. I mean, I, I, you know, I knew whenever we started getting injuries, I thought to myself, right, it's time to let the let the noisy people have their go, right, and it's time for me to batten down the hatches as a Ralph as a Ralph supporter and ride out the storm. And that that's sort of how you feel because you know what the constraints of the club is. Yes, you and I sit and off off here, off mic, we'll yep. sit and we'll have a moan about it because you, you sit there and you you can see the potential that that the club has if there was, you know, the investment, okay? And the pro- the problem that we've we have faced, Mark, is that even when Kafrina, right, or Cortesi was in charge, right, they were able to I mean, Kafrina give us loans which the club had to pay back. Yeah. But obviously they were able to use that money in the transfer yeah. market. You know, and and when Marcus died, there were obviously and uh, Cortese was still the chairman. He still had to find ways of financing, being able to bring pl- players into the football club. So again, it was a loan facility, you know. Um, but the, I suppose the problem you've got as well is, you know, it's all right for certain people that you and I know, and they say, well, he's the owner, he leaves the money in there. But the thing is, is Besides the money that's left in there, you still need a certain amount of money for be to be able to maneuver at yeah. least maneuver around the buy players, and 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 therein lies the difficulty, yeah, you know. Definitely. But you know, in terms of red hot summer transfer wise, <laughs> just let's wait and see. I mean. But what amazes me is, is Ralph is coming out and making even more noise about this is, yeah. now that we've signed this new agreement. But yep. more about that next week. 
Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So Jake Vokins, um, it's not gone well for him at Sunderland. So he's gone to Sunderland, started to struggle to get in the team initially, then came down with COVID, recovered from that, and he's now undergoing further health checks on his heart as he's um, recovering from COVID nineteen. They uh, picked up right. a slight irregularity, although it's important to stress all these ECGs and everything prior to that were fine and they were clear, no issues. But since having COVID, he's had a little bit of a flicker they've picked up on Mark. Yeah, Sad I mean, news. All, all, I would, all I would say about that was, I mean, I just picked up on it firstly yeah. because I didn't even know he had COVID. You know, no. go to Sunderland, get COVID. Yeah, but, brilliant. No, I'm, jo I'm joking, Sunderland fans, before I get, you know. But the thing, the thing is, is, uh, I didn't even know he had COVID. And then, the, obviously, the situation's been compounded by the fact yeah. that they found this heart flicker or, or murmur yeah. or whatever it is. Right. And obviously, you know, it it, it is concerning because obviously he's so young, you know. You, yeah. you just sort of sit there and you think he's only just starting out on his football journey, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But well, I'll say, Jake, is... Adam Lallana had a heart condition in his 20s when he was uh, yep. a young lad, and the club stood by him then. The club will stand by you, and I'm sure you'll be fine. Make full recovery and go on to have a, a fantastic career like Adam did. Probably not quite the same level as Lallana did, but um, it's, it's hope there. Yeah. Well done for digging yourself out there, Mark. Uh, yeah, I don't know where you thought I was going then. <laughs> different players, Mark. Different players, different positions. But anyway, so... Saints are seeking consent for a medical centre at the club's training ground. Um, if they get approval for this, it's going to be a one-storey modular building, which is going to be used as a medical centre um, for immediate treatment of injuries and stuff like that. I think it's a good move, Mark, if they can if they can get approval for it. But it does beg the question, where's the money coming from? <laughs> Mate, that's, that's the first question. That's the first and only question. This is a club that's... That's crying poverty, can't afford to buy players, yeah. can't afford to do anything. You know, Can we buy a building medical centre, please? You know, and yeah. I'm sat there going, what, what is the actual truth, you know? But again, we're going to come on to that and discuss that. But, right. uh, you know, all I would say, Mark, is, you know, fair enough if they're going to have a medical centre. But all I'd say is, if we ever have a pandemic like this again, or if vaccines even need to be used, you know, when the actual medical facility is built, you know, let, let's not just have it for the footballers. You know, when, when there's a pandemic on, let's open the facility up and let's vaccinate people or whatever needs to be done. I, I don't like the idea. I've, I've always said it, right? And I know there's community pitches at Staplewood because there's more than one training pitch. There's loads of them, right? And I know that they've allowed certain groups to go in there and play football, right? But I I just don't like the idea that Staplewood is a bit of a closed shop, mate, to be honest. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. all I was going to say is it is Southampton Football Club and your training ground is in Southampton, be it Marchwood, but it's in Southampton. It's Southampton Football Club. So if you get a medical centre, make it Southampton Medical Centre. Don't yeah. just use it for the club. Use it for yeah, the local community and those around it. Yeah. Right, moving on. Colombian ex-footballer John Viafara, ex-Saint, has been jailed for 11 years for cocaine smuggling. So he obviously thought he didn't do well enough as a football career. He's now going to go on and become a drug drug lord. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is... is And people used to say when he's playing for Saints, what's he been sniffing? Well, now we know. All, all, all I'll say, Mark, is... 
obviously he didn't make enough money in his football no, career because because apparently he was drug baron extraordinaire of Colombia because but he, he changed his name up. So he changed his name and he came up with a very original name to totally throw everyone off the scent so that they wouldn't have the faintest clue who he was. Okay. His nickname, Al Footballista. <laughs> yeah, well done, John. That that brilliantly disguised that you used oh, to be a footballer. Fantastic. It could be worse. He could have went with Escobar. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I did wonder if he did, thought about changing his name to Pablo, to be fair. All I'll say is, obviously... He didn't make enough money from football, so yep. he's decided to move into the drugs industry. The thing, the thing that baffled me about yeah, the report, appearing live on Netflix next season. The thing that baffled me, the thing that baffled me about the report was right. I mean, obviously, the police said that he was front and centre. He yep. he was leading it, mate. You know, he he was there at the forefront, right? Kingpin. And and then and then you read that he, he he's lamenting the fact that he's now having the having the sure cell with murderers and rapists, and you're sort of <laughs> sat there thinking, well, what what did you expect if you got caught? You know, yeah. I mean, what, what was it? Slap on the wrist and a fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all right. You, you, know you, used, you used to play football once upon a time, John. Don't worry about it. We'll just let you off. It's not a problem. Seriously. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, it was it was bizarre the way he kind of reacted, yeah. you know. Yeah. And now I'm having to share a cell with these people. I'm thinking, well, John, you know, if all I'm going to say is the law. It's it's sad how it's sad he's ended up like that. But all I will say is thank you for the two goals in the semi final of the playoff against Derby, John. Because remember that very well. Thanks for your time at Saints. You do, you're a good servant to us. Um, just a shame to see that your career's gone that way now. Your second career is not very well at all for you, unfortunately. Uh, thank you for stealing that off me, Mark. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, just so the listeners know, was I was at that semi-final, which Mark remembers clear as day, but I was at the semi-final, the two goals he scored, that, I mean, it was probably his best performance in a scene. One fair. of them was an absolute thumper, I mean, if I remember rightly, to be fair. Saints actually won. You know, because Dar- Darby won the first leg, we won the second leg, went in the extra time. Obviously, the scores were tied. He scored, he, you know, he scored two excellent goals in, in normal time. I think uh, Grezor Raziak scored the other goal. Um, yeah. But, but what I was going to say was, was, you know, obviously losing out on penalties, but um, I mean, it was a bit of a strange one because I didn't realise that he'd only made 72 uh, Saints appearances. Yeah, and he only actually scored five goals. So, and two of them were at Derby that night. So, you know, maybe he wasn't as effective as I thought he was. But, um, to put that in perspective, though, Mark, a lot of people criticised Ricardo Fuller when he was at Saints. John Villafara's five goals doesn't put him too far beyond the number that Ricardo Fuller actually scored for Saints. No, well, yes, but the thing is, is John Villafara didn't get hounded out of the football club. That's very true. Cardo Fuller did. Yeah. Um, because because of their connection with down the road. Um, yep. But but having said that, I mean, it, it's just funny how life takes turns. But I mean, I I just don't. I can't believe he was that stupid to make the decision to say. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm going to start dealing in drugs yep. all of a sudden. Oh, there you go. Now we know what he was sniffing, as people have said. But anyway, so that brings us to the end of that section.
So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll let you know what we do next. Fiesta 95 FM, The Two Saint Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. So coming up in the second half of the show today, we have other football news, Saints transfer gossip and corner chat. Have Saints got money to spend or not? And the Two Saints preview of West Brom versus Saints. So moving on, other football news. And we start in the Premier League. Burnley break even despite COVID impact. Leeds lose 64 million in promotion season. Manchester City, Sergio Aguero replacement unlikely, says Guardiola. Man City post 126 million loss. Kevin De Bruyne assigns Man City deal to 2025. Carabao Cup final to have 8,000 fans. And Craig Dawson to join West Ham permanently. So starting with Burnley break even despite COVID impact, Mark. And Leeds lose 64 million in promotion season. All, all I can say there is, so Burnley, it must be that there was the takeover there. It's it's yep. the only logical conclusion that I can come to. Absolutely. Or they're holding back on the actual figures, you yep. know, for for next, for this this season that we're in now. Yep. I mean, that that's the only thing I can think of. And I would expect to see significant losses during this season at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the the thing is, is the true reflection of the pandemic, if you like, is shown in Leeds's, you know, report because Leeds obviously went up, um, and I, I think, you know, um, and because they went up, obviously, you would think. Well, they've got riches coming to them. They're now playing in the top league. Yeah, you know, they're playing in the Premier League, um, and then you find that you know they lost sixty-four million. Well, sixty-four million is probably what they gained through the promotion. You know, yeah. it wouldn't be that far off of what all the money that they gained from the promotion. So, so, so basically, COVID has swallowed up all that money. Yep. You know, and it and it's it's been down to, you know, investment probably by the owner and a few other individuals, but obviously yep. that they've been able to get transfer money and everything. I mean, yep. don't get me wrong, there's probably out of money in there, but when you but when you think of the money that they gained through going up, I mean, that's left a massive hole there, sixty four. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that that's the difference, you know. And I, I just, I don't know. I'll be curious to see Burnley's financials for this season, to be honest, because yeah. I'm not, yeah, mate, mate. I'm not sure that adds up. To be fair, even though they were taken over, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't add up for me. But yeah, it, will, it will make for interesting reading, ain't it? Won't it? Definitely. Yeah, um, it will definitely make for interesting reading. So, moving on to Man City. Sergio Aguero replacement unlikely, according to Pep Guardiola. Um, they've posted 126 million loss. Oh, the poor dears. I'm sure that really hurt them. Not. And Kevin De Bruyne has signed a Man City deal to 2025. And obviously, Man City are going to face Tottenham at the Carabao Cup final, where there's going to be 8,000 fans. Yeah, so let, let's do all this all in one hit. So, yeah. the thing is, is £126 million loss for Man City. All I've got to say about that is two words, well, basically two noises, boo and who. Yeah, two, uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is I'm I'm sure it's concerning for Man City fans, but they probably don't even look at it, to be honest, because because of 
the how much you know the owner's worth. Um, but you know, I, I just sort of sit there and I think to myself that that just you know, obviously with COVID and everything else that we'll talk yep. about, there's been a knock-on effect for them as well. Um, well. It's funny, Mark. When I saw that, um, when I saw that figure and the fact they would lost that much, I couldn't help but remember Windsor Davies in it ain't half up, Mum. And I could just see him stood there when that was revealed, going, "Oh dear, how sad." Never mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, as obviously, you know, the thing is, is obviously, Man City fans would have a different take on it. But yeah. as we don't follow that club, yeah. you know, and we don't, we know what money's at their disposal. You know, of course, most of most other fans are going to turn around and say, you know, so Absolutely. what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely right. Um, but then, and, and the thing is, is and th this is the double-edged sword for me. I mean, you know, we had Guardiola come out and say, oh, we won't be buying, a, you know, an Aguero replacement. Yeah, okay. Maybe not Harlan becomes available. Maybe, maybe not this season, right, as I said. But if he becomes available in the summer, they'll be in there to buy him. Of course they will. Whether they get him or not is another thing, but they'll be one of the teams that's in there trying to buy him. The thing so, is, if you've got the hottest if you've got the hottest striking property in Europe and he becomes available, you can't tell me Man City aren't going to look at him because of course they are. Well, here's an education for you. Alfie Engler Hoyland, who's his dad, is made for Man City. Oh, well, there you go. There's even more reason to play for Man City and Leeds. <coughs> well, anyway, despite Man City's financial woes, it hasn't stopped Kevin De Bruyne signing a new deal to 2025, has it? And interestingly, no. he's actually asked recently for all his stats for games he's played for Man City. And from there, he worked out how influential he was to the team and how much that Man City was the best place for him, Mark. So there you go. Talk about obsessive. That, that's kind of good, good to know, and I'll yeah. come back to it. But as I say... It's ironic that Guardiola's turned around and said, you know, we don't have any money to be buying anybody. Yeah. Right. And then at the same in the same breath, he's gone, Oh, by the way, you know, uh, Kevin De Bruyne has just signed a new four year contract. <laughs> you know? So I don't, I don't know how you square the circle there, yeah, but there you no. go. But um the other thing obviously that was interesting about that report was what you highlighted. I can't imagine too many Saints fans sitting <laughs> down and going, right, I'll, I need to see what <sighs> I've done to make sure that, you know, I'm worthy of this new contract. <laughs> but I don't see that happening. Nope. I, don't, I don't think Theo Walcott's out there going, yep. well, I haven't done much in the last three yep. seasons. Right? Right. I, tell you, I tell you what, you can have my services for next to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah, thanks, uh, Fio. Well, you know, there you go. There yeah, you go, yeah. Anyway. yeah. Fio, oh, I'm on a free transfer. That's good, Fio. Thanks for that. Yeah, anyway. So, Carabao Cup final is to have 8,000 fans and Craig Dawson is to join West Ham permanently. So, yeah, I mean, look, the thing is, is it's step by step, isn't it, Mark? So, yeah, we've got 4,000 at the FA Cup semi final. You know, in a in about a week's time now, you know, and obviously they're local residents. Yeah, it opens up for the League Cup final, which I think's probably about two weeks later. Yeah, and it's eight thousand for that. 
you know, and then we've got a situation where come, you know, middle of May, we're going to have 20,000, 10,000 10, 10, from each side at the FA Cup final. So, yeah. you know, the, th the thing is, is it's being done properly. I, th I you know, I, I know we have some fans that sometimes don't grasp the whole situation, but I think it's being done sensibly, to be honest with you. You know, you, I, I know you've got to start somewhere and everything yeah, else. Um, you know, but then on the flip side of that, I think I'd be more concerned about going to the Snooker World Championships where there's going to be a full Crucible Stadium. <sighs> to me, that sounds absolutely crazy for an indoor bonkers, game. isn't it? Yeah, that's bonkers, isn't it? Sounds bonkers, absolutely it? crazy. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. Right, moving on now, the EFL. Owner Morris has agreed deal to sell Derby. It was which has been taken over by American investors. Middlesbrough to host the England friendlies. COVID passports needed, says Trevor Birch, chief executive of the EFL. And Rebecca Welch becomes the first female referee to be appointed to the EFL um, for the game ahead of Harrogate Town versus Portville. Right, so very quickly then we'll go to Dar Derby County, obviously in negotiations for what seemed anything between 18 months to two years, yeah. uh, up until last month. Now all of a sudden they've, they've agreed another deal. Hopefully this one comes off for them. I'm sure the Derby fans would like some sort of closure because obviously Mel Morris has been keen to sell for yeah. some time. Uh, you know, in terms of in terms of Ipswich Town, I can't actually remember the the owner's surname. It's Marcus something or other. But he's been he's been in charge since David David Sheepshanks was there. Yeah. Um and basically he came in with a lot of fanfare. There was a lot of, you know, seemed to have money to spend. There was a lot of things that he wanted to do with the football club. You know, I think at the end of the day, they appointed, uh, under his watch, they appointed Roy Keane. And Roy Keane was seen as sort of getting, you know, going to be close to getting them up. I think they had one well, had one season where they went fairly close, Mark, and then, and then they, they regressed. Um, and obviously you've had a succession of managers in there. I mean, I think uh, Paul, uh, Paul Jewell, um, there was uh, Mick McCarthy obviously has been in there and at, at the moment uh, you've got Paul Cook who obviously took over from uh, Paul Lambert um, so you know I, th I think he's I think he did try initially to get them up and then obviously at the end of the day the club basically has gone backwards under his ownership so I'm sure the Ipswich Town fans will be hoping that when this new consortium goes in, although there's concerns, I, I know you voiced that there might be concerns about, you know, how they're generating money and stuff. It's like an that. American investment fund. Yeah. So you know, I'm sure I'm sure the Ipswich Town fans will be hopeful that they can bring back the glory days, but I think it remains to be seen. But in the meantime. Obviously, I'm assuming that 
the previous owner feels that these people can take the club forward. Exactly. So let, let's hope that's the case for the good yep. people of, uh, of Suffolk. Absolutely right. And we'll do these two together because they kind of tie in, to be fair. COVID passports needed, says EFL Chief Executive Trevor Birch at yeah. Middlesbrough to host England friendlies because um, I think you can obviously tell everyone why Middlesbrough has been chosen, Mark, because the yeah. stadium is... COVID secure. Um, basically, a bit of a strange one, though, for me, because I would have thought there would have been a few COVID secure stadiums, yep. but obviously it's been picked. That's where... The England friendlies before the Euros are going to be yep. taking place, yep. and yeah, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure that it it's it's a feller in the cap, obviously for Middlesbrough Football yep, Club, definitely. Um, irrespective of whether there's fans there or not, or supporters there or not. Correct. Um, and then the last story, obviously, it's brilliant news, mate. I mean. You know, a female referee, referee and, you know, uh, a football, an English football league game. It's well overdue. Rebecca, the girl's name is. I think it's well well overdue. It should have happened years ago. I mean, I I think I'm right in saying that a female official did take over a game in about 2011. Um, yeah, I think I think the referee got injured, and a female official took over the you know refereed the rest of the game. But obviously the appointment is, you know, it's long overdue. Man. I mean, I can't, I can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm pleased for the individual concern, but I just, I just sort of think to myself, it's long overdue. You know, the fact that absolutely. We'll have a female official that's officiated a game. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's great news, and long may that continue. So moving on now. Footballers suffering racial abuse online. Tottenham's Davinson Sanchez has suffered racist abuse. Liverpool trio, Naby Keita, Sadio Mane and Trent Alexander-Arnold have also suffered racist abuse online. Kadeya has provisionally been suspended by UA for following his racist remarks towards Glenn Kamara. It's only a one-match ban at the moment, which isn't very good, to be fair. Man United launched new anti-racism campaign. And Sonny and Bupinda Gill have been appointed for an EFL game. First Asian brothers to do that, Mark. And their father, I believe, was an EFL referee as well, from what you've told me. He was. So there we go. He retired back in 2010, the dad. Right. Um, so starting with... Racial abuse, Tottenham Hotspurs, Davinson Sanchez, Liverpool trio of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Naby Keta and Sadio Mane abuse, and Cadella only getting a provisional suspension of one game from UEFA. Yeah, I mean, let's try and just cover those in a nutshell. So basically, people, there was loads and loads and loads of examples of this that I could have put in. I went with the more highlighted players, but obviously... There's been players from Swansea, uh, Luca Tony yep. uh, from Brentford being yep. abused online. Uh, all I've all I've got to say is it's gonna stop. But I think Absolutely. the thing is, is I think the secret is for the clubs they actually withdraw their social media accounts. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think also that the high profile players that have the followers on Twitter and 
the different sort of things, you know. Well, I can in fact tell you, Mark, both Swansea and Birmingham City have suspended their social media accounts. Yeah, and so have and also, Rangers. And also Jordan Henderson, the Liverpool captain, Jordan Henderson of England, the Liverpool captain, has actually handed over full control of his social media accounts to an anti-cyber bullying company to deal with it. Yeah, that, that, that sounds absolutely the right thing to do, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just... I just think that all the... Because the thing is, is and, and I get it, because a lot of a lot of people are interested in how professional footballers live their lives, yep. right? So they go online and they interact with people and they explain what, what to do and stuff like that there. But, and, and it's been a good tool. You know, if you listen to the players talk about social media, they say it's been a good tool, but... The thing is, is nobody, and it do, doesn't matter whether it's racial, whatever kind of abuse it is, yeah. nobody, you know, should be abusing anybody online, especially somebody even that you don't even know. I mean, they don't know you as a person or anything like that, you know. But, I mean, racial abuse belongs in the dark ages, mate. And I, I, keep, I keep saying it. There is the way. There is a way for social media to deal with, it, but they're refusing yeah. to do it yeah, under absolutely. the blanket of freedom. You know this yeah. freedom of speech nonsense, Sorry. right? And yeah. that, 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 that's what they sort of say. You, you sort of sit there and you think to yourself, "No, you know what? What you need to do is make sure that everybody who logs on the social media sites has encrypted passwords, right?" That only that that person knows, and and if it's their account, you know, obviously they passed it on to somebody else, so they get, you know, they get done. It's as simple as that. But then the the other side of it is, I mean, social media have to get their house in order in, in relation to it. And then on the flip side of that is when it when it comes to handing out sentences. It needs to be much more severe so people get the message. Yeah. I understand, uh, you know, there was a professional footballer on the radio the other day, right? And he was saying that a lot of it, and that this this wasn't just him, this was other professional footballers saying it to him, a lot of it is coming from young people. Yeah. 18 and under. And you just sort it's, of it's sit there. You sit there and you think to yourself, for goodness sake, well, somebody set these people down and give absolutely. them an education. Yep. Yeah, absolutely right. No, and they certainly need one. Anyway, we'll end with a very, very um, much more after the Man United story. Obviously, Man United have launched a new anti-racism campaign, so well done to them. Let's hope it takes yeah, off and it's I successful. Mean, I mean, obviously, you know, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, the manager, seems to think that it's going to have some sort of impact. I mean, obviously, it's only just been launched Let's yep. wait and see, but let's hope that it reaps some sort of dividends in dealing with the issues at hand. Absolutely right, absolutely right. Yeah, and then we'll end with a slightly more positive note on this section in regards to racial abuse and stuff like that. Asian brothers, Sonny, Sonny and Befinder Gill, have both been appointed to the EFL for the same game, Mark, which is fantastic news. Yeah, a lot, First I South Asian that. brothers to do that, fantastic. Yeah, I love that because obviously I... Re- I, you know, I've I've never seen them obviously officiate, yeah. but I've seen their dad officiate in the middle because yeah. their dad was a referee. Um, and it was it's great news. I mean, 
obviously it's a great great news story in terms of like pushing the sort of the sort of um well basically the Asian community forward. Um you know in in terms of football I'd love to see much more Asian footballers playing the game here um professionally but um I bet and hopefully that'll happen too. But um what was I gonna say was was no, it must be very special for the family as well, given oh, you know, the dad was was a ref. Yeah, definitely, and, uh, definitely. Again, it's another positive thing to take. Absolutely. You know, from from this week, where you know, as I said, it hasn't been. It's been another bad week in terms of people being abused and stuff like that. There, yeah. but but that's the one good news story out of this week. Definitely. And the last one for the section, Hampden Park has been approved for 12,000 fans for the 2020 Euros, Mark. Yeah, I mean, look, look, it's good it's good news because at the end of the day, everybody could do we are left. I mean, as long as, as long as it's a controlled environment and everybody's safe, you know, the, the one thing I do worry about is the movement of fans, Mark. I do worry about that yeah. in terms of you know, will it start another spate of infections? But in the meantime, you know, let's take it as it is. Let's hope that everybody feel, follows the rules and the guidelines because I'm sure there'll be plenty of that going on. Oh, yes. Um, and, yeah, it's good news. The only, down, the only downside was I was reading in the same article that Dublin and Spain, uh, well, Dublin and Madrid I'm taking, or Bobay, I think it is, is actually uh, hosting the match. Yeah, it's Bobay that's hoping, uh, hosting the Spanish matches. So the Bobay authorities and the authorities in Dublin, obviously, are taking their leads from the Spanish and Irish governments. And yep. unfortunately, they have yet to commit. Right. I, just, I, I mean, call me cynical here, right, Mark? But at least they're willing to turn around and say we're not prepared to commit, right? Because obviously the vaccination hasn't been ruled out, right? Yeah. There's 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 central European countries, right, that have committed to have twelve thousand, even more in some cases, into the stadiums where the infection rates have gone up, right? One of the things that I do question is Baku, for example, right? Out in Azerbaijan, right? The, you know, the infection rate there hasn't been very clever, and yet they haven't. You know, what what I'm saying is, is I'm sure probably Dublin and at Bilbao will have fans in, but they're taking a much more cautious approach to it, whereas we have other countries you know, other countries that are hosting games and you're sat there thinking to yourself, yeah, we're all set for it, you know. I, I just hope that people are all set for it and there yeah, is definitely. proper social distancing and proper rules that are followed and adhered to. Well, they, they have to. They can't afford to mess about anymore, can they? No, and, I, and the thing is, is surely as well, you know, I'm, I'm all for having fans in the stadium, but surely it's about keeping those supporters that are going to the stadium, keeping them safe as well. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? Yeah, 100%.
Right, and that brings us to the end of that section of the podcast. So we'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll be doing Saints Transfer Gossip. We'll be right back. It's the it's Two Marks, C&H, on the Two Saints Show, Fiesta 95FM. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, Saints Transfer Gossip. Everton-owned Theo Walcott will join Southampton on a permanent deal. Ralph Hasenhut was alluded to the fact Saints in negotiations with Theo, but whether or not that becomes permanent, we'll wait to see. Brentford's Rico Henry set for Premier League as, as Southampton lead race. Southampton could revive loan to buy interest in Neko Williams. Southampton interested in on loan Swansea man Mark, Mark Guy. Southampton like Brandon Williams on loan this summer. And Celtic, sorry, Celtic and Rangers, Carl McClelland and Leo Hjald have both been tracked by Southampton. So starting with Theo Walcott, Mark. Rumours are that he's going to join Saints on a permanent deal. And Ralph said today that the club are in negotiations. Yeah, so be, be, <laughs> thanks for that. I've said it himself. <laughs> Basically, you know, there, there's some things that you think, please don't let this come to pass, <laughs> right? And, and you know, at the end of the day, we're never afraid to give our views right or wrong. Yeah, rest assured, way. anybody, if Mark had been mid-drink when he got that news, he would have spat the drink out, trust me. But <laughs> I... The, 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 thing I don't, the thing I don't get with it, Mark, is, right, the likelihood is, even if he's taken a pay cut to come, right, the likelihood is he's still going to get a bonus because he's, he's a free agent. He'll be a free agent. That's the first thing to say, right? And, he, and he'll probably come to the club. And I'm, I'm going to say to you, you'll probably be on... 50, 60 grand a week, something like that. But I I get that he has relevant experience, okay? I'm choking as I'm saying this. <laughs> I know he has relevant experience, but I, when I look at the package, okay, or the package that Southampton Football Club would be looking at, my argument is, would that money not be better spent on someone who's younger? I think I pointed out to you in another conversation that we're having that, you know, unless you're buying an off-the-peg player, yeah. right, and you're a, you're, a, you're a top six or seven club, yeah, okay, those are the only people that are buying those kind of players, right? Thing is, Mark, would you would you, you think get people who are lower down in the Premier League, right? Yep. They buy young players. They don't would buy you, players that are over the hill. Would you rather see Saints go for somebody like just an example? I'm not saying they should go for this guy. It's just an example. Um, I know they've been linked with him previously, but I'm not saying we should go back in for him. But would you rather see them go and get somebody like Adamola Lookman rather than bring Theo in? Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Or um, or the guy from Bournemouth. But I uh, know Dan Gima. But then I think again that you the the problem you have there is that obviously you would have to pay a transfer fee. Yeah. But but what 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 I'm trying to get at, Mark, is you know there are other players out there that can yep. play in that position yep. that are younger, and we just... probably. You know, when you look at the whole package, they would probably cost less. The thing is, I've, I've I've just thought of a player that you and I would both love to see at Saints, and I think he'd fit that role perfectly. And that's um the lad from Bournemouth, Dan Juma. Dan Zuma, yeah. I mean, the the only 
again that would cost you some money you're paying the transfer yeah, fee. money yeah i mean it, it, the thing is is saints i mean obviously they've sat there they're doing the number crunching right and they're sat there and they're thinking well maybe it would be cheaper actually to bring him in on a free transfer yep. than they actually go out and buy because dan zuma would be you're right to say about dan zuma he would be the person probably that you would be looking to replace him with for a or a, a look, but again, I just I just think the thing that probably puts them off is that the asking prices of yeah. the other clubs concerned, you know, because okay. again, you're going to be paying more money probably than you would the Theo Walcott. But I I I just think to myself, at the end of the day, we have a scout network. Why aren't people out there doing their jobs? I see, I see. You know? Yep, absolutely. So another target is probably more realistic. Brentford's Rico Henry set for Premier League Saints lead race mark. Apparently, he's a left back. Obviously, so it'd be he'd be a good um, understudy slash replacement for Ryan Bertrand. Yeah, I mean, I I was I was more encouraged when I read this. I mean, all, all I'll say, Mark, is I would I would enjoy having him or. Callum Sykes, I think it is, the Barnsley player at our football club. I mean, if I was if I was pushed, I would probably go for Sykes because yeah. I, I was looking at his stats. He score he scores a few, which is rare for a left back anyway. Yeah. He scores a few, plus he set up a few assists. I mean, Ricardo Henry or Rico Henry. I definitely have a, you know, if if it's one or the other, yep. right, you know, I would have either of them, to be perfectly honest. Um, and obviously we have to watch the space, see what's happened with Bertram. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that Jake's career is going to take off at Saints and a Jake Vogan's career, this is. I'm not convinced his career is going to take off at Saints. And I think he might end up leaving the football club and having to play elsewhere, you know, and he will be successful, you know, in that. But, but, um, so at the minute, I would be happy with either Callum Sykes or Rico Henry, to be honest, mate. Absolutely. So looking at the rest of the rumours, um, Saints could revive loan to buy interest in Neko Williams. Saints also interested in on-loan Swansea man Mark Guy. Southampton, I at Brandon Williams in on-loan this summer and obviously, they're looking at um, Carl McLennan from Rangers and Jan Held from Celtic. Yeah, so very quickly with all of them. So just just going on the Nico Williams story. I mean, the the thing is, is he doesn't play that often for Liverpool. Yeah. And when he does play, he has an effect, right? Yeah. I mean, he's ever present for Wales. What, well, I, don't, what I don't understand with the Mark is that there was that period of time, even when he was fit, right? And some of the time they were picking Fabio and Jordan Henderson to play at the back. And you're thinking, hang on a minute, Nicole Williams is fit, you know? Yeah. But yeah. but trust trust me, this lad, had, you know, he, he plays like he's a 30-year-old. I mean, yeah. I, I watched some of his uh, appearances for, for Wales and... That is where he seems to be making his name. And he looks very, very accomplished, very composed for someone of his age. Um, 
I was reading in the game, phenomenal. Uh, so again, would I would I would I take him if he was available? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. You no, know? um, they're talking about a load on that one, and yep. then you've got that Mark Gertie. I mean, he's another one, centre back. Yep. Obviously on loan at uh, Chelsea at the minute, and you know, I'll, kind of in the Mohamed Salah mode. Yeah. And I'd probably, you know, probably take him if he was on yep. offer. The, the the thing is, is like you can't you can't take all of them. But obviously, if this is the ballpark that we're looking at, yep. then it's a good ballpark to oh, be absolutely. looking at, you know. Yeah, Brandon Williams has been included again in that one, obviously. Because they're all personally having good seasons. I mean, I'm I'm not. Sh- I just think the Brandon Williams article's probably been re regurgitated again yep. to be honest I'll but I'll, I'll, why the other question that we'd ask is right he, he hasn't kicked the ball in anger for United yep. right so you know is is the situation going to change for next season or or is or is you know uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer going to go and say no, it's a different circumstance. There's not as many games over a short period of time. We're yep. prepared to blow them out to you. Yep. That's the only way I could see them coming to us. I see. Yeah, and then we've got a couple of um, recruits for probably for the under-23s, I would think, or the under-18s, Mark. Rangers yeah. kids, um, Carl McLennan of Rangers and Celtic's Leo Hjald, both being tracked by Southampton. Yeah, I mean, both, both of them are very covered and up in yeah. Scotland. Uh, yeah, that's in Scotland. You know, uh, and if... No, no, we're not getting into that discussion. No, 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 I'm just saying that is in Scotland, so, you know, no, balance no, it out a little but, bit. But all, all I would say is, is, you know, if there's deals to be done and the, the interest is genuine, I'm not sure whether it is or not, to be perfectly honest, but, um, you know, if the interest is genuine and there were deals to be done and the deals got done... I think it would be a question of them going into the under twenty threes, yep. developing from there, maybe six months there in the first year, yep. and then six months maybe out and load in January for both of them, yep. you know, and, yep. and and see the development quicker that way because yep. obviously you want to try and see if you can introduce them into the first team, you know, as soon as possible. But Definitely. I would say in. In the first year, for me, it would be, you know, the first six months under 23s football. And then in the January, right, we're sending you out on loan for experience yeah. in the English game. Absolutely right. You know, um, yep. and then see where we take it from there. Yeah, definitely. Right, and that brings all that to an end. So, corner chat. Do Saints have money to spend this summer, Mark? My take on it is... If they've got money to build a medical centre and they've got sponsorship money coming in, there's a little bit of money there. It'd be very naive for a football club to have no money to spend at all in a transfer window. We know Saints aren't brilliantly off, but do they have money to spend in the summer? There's got to be a little bit, surely. Uh, mate, I mean, I've thought about this as well, right? You know, I also throw into the mix that you know, we're signing somebody that's on a free contract. Yep. Right, and it's not it's not going to be cheap. Okay, I know you're not paying the same sort of money as you would be paying in transfer fee. 
Yeah. But then a lot of the time as well, don't forget, if you're paying a transfer fee, you know, you'll be paying less wages probably yeah, than yeah. the what fee would be, you yeah. know, getting. So there's that to consider. But when when you look at the whole package and you look at the medical, you know, the look at the build a medical center and everything else, you've got to say there is money there. But it fly the the thing is is our club's a contradiction in terms, mate. No, it is. You know, and, and I'll say this. I mean, we I've got a, a season ticket uh, holders newsletter um, on Monday, and our commercial director, Dave Thomas, yeah. was fervently saying that basically there was no money, you know, uh, the... The coronavirus pandemic has made it difficult for them to do any kind of, you know, they won't be doing any kind of business in the summer, you know. And and now you hear all the noises now, and, you know, I don't want to touch on it too much because obviously nice. we're going to be covering it next week. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure the Saints fans out there are, are aware of the shirt deal that they've continued with Sports Bet OEO. So, but, you know, from all the noises that you're hearing currently, Mark, you would say, <laughs> I mean, I'm beginning to think we're awash for money, to be fair. <laughs> There's that many positive yeah. noises being oh, made, no. right? But, but then, as sure as eggs is eggs, in the summer, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this, there's money there. There's yeah. money there, right? Yeah. But as, soon as, as sure as eggs is eggs, we'll get to the summer, right? And we won't we won't spend a cocoa bean. Not right. a cocoa bean right. will we spend. No. Right. Huh? No, I agree with that. Well, Ralph reckons his team's going to be more balanced next season, so we'll see. I don't quite know how he's going to manage that one. But anyway, there you go. So that's Corner Chat. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do two Saints preview of West Brom versus Saints. All I'm saying is, is he's going to have to work wonders with his wand again like he did this season. And he, is the he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. <laughs> right, we'll be right back after this break. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints show. Right, welcome back, everyone. So the Two Saints preview of Saints versus West Brom. Last time out in the league, it was Southampton 2, West Brom 0. Musa Gineppo and Oriol Romeo scoring for Saints in a win. And the assist from Stuart Armstrong, there's a surprise. Slavin Bilic felt that his players had to learn that the Premier League was not a school. Well, they certainly schooled Chelsea recently, didn't they? So we're going to have to be on our game to prevent that from happening, Mark. Uh, very much so. Um, the thing is, is I'm going into this a lot more weary than I was before Saturday. Yep. Um, you and me both. Obviously Sunday. Um, all I would say is, is you know, I, I don't believe in must-win games. Right, yeah. I always use the tagline "must not lose." Right, um, and in terms of, I'm thinking more that you know the following week weekend <coughs> is the FA Cup semi final. Right, and anybody that says that players are not affected or interested, right, or they're not looking ahead. Right to the game, that could be further from the truth. 
You know, I've I've heard professional footballers turn around and say, you know, when when we've got the Wembley, right, even though they've got other league games to play, you know, they've said it's all that it's all it's talked about. Yeah. It's all okay. it's thought about. But the the thing is, is the players have got to remember that they've got to do a professional job on Monday night against okay. West Brom, yep. right? Irrespective of what the card is the following week, right? Because effectively, and, the, and this is the way I'm sure Ralph's looking at it is, those players that get selected on Monday night are playing for their positions at Wembley. Absolutely. You know, and 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 if if you know if you and I come back and do the podcast next week, and we're sat there and we're going, well, for me, such and such shouldn't be in the team on on Sunday because yeah. he didn't perform against West Brom, you know. Yeah. But yeah. you know, let's wait and see. But all this nonsense about you now we're focused on on you know the games yeah, in okay. hand. That that is. I mean, I'm sure that they're professional and they are focused in the games then. But well, you can't you can't tell me once you've once you've got to an FA Cup semi final or any final at Wembley, the mind doesn't wander as a professional footballer. Well you know? we will find out how focused they are when they play West Bromwell. Yeah, exactly. And I actually but, think this is gonna be a one all draw. But, but basically I'm going two two. Uh, I'm going 1-1. Yes, I know, I know you're going 1-1. One, one. I, I, I suspected that. That was why I went 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> you know, Mind I, you, if the Burnley game's anything to go by, it could be free all. The, the thing is, as well, is it's important going into the game at Wembley. I hate mentioning it because, obviously, yep. this game at the Hawthorns is much more important. Absolutely. But it, it's important to be... Off the back of uh, going to West Brom, it's important to be going in with some sort of form under your belt. You yeah. know, and the thing is, the thing is, is if they get a draw even or or a win, you know, they're going to Wembley off the back of potentially three wins or two wins and a draw. But if right. we if we lose the game at the Hawthorns, then you call in in the question everything in relation to the game against Leicester and the semi-final, you know, because, because I won't have any confidence if we lose against West Brom on Monday. I've I've got to be honest. I won't be going into the, you know, going into it. And I know, I know, you know, you've got some sort of vendetta going on, but, I, I won't be going in there with any confidence at all, you know. Yeah, I mean, confidence confidence breeds success, you know, and you know, and success breeds confidence. So it's a two-way thing. It's a double-edged coin, you know. Success breeds confidence. Confidence breeds success. So you've got to have some sort of confidence going into the semi-final, and you've got to have success against West Brom to do that. Yeah. Oh, it goes hand in hand. Oh, I agree with you. For anybody that says the cup game's not a distraction, well, we'll find out how focused they are on the league games when they play West Brom. It's without I don't, I, the thing is, is why why say it because it's nonsense, you know? Yeah, I, know. It's not, it, I mean, the supporters, 
the supporters are the same. Be you know, be honest about it. You know, I I haven't thought about anything else since we since we got into the semi final. Oh, no, I've been sat there trying to work out who, who's going to play, who isn't, what sort of tactics we're going to use, it, are we going to change our formation, all sorts of stuff. But it's more for a, from a historical standpoint oh, okay. because the thing is, is winning it would be a shot in the arm for the city. They're absolutely, it, you know. But but look, the thing is, is we need to go out and perform against West Brom. But the, I suppose the danger is, is that if we beat West Brom off the back of their Chelsea performance, people will start thinking, oh. You know, Leicester, Leicester, it's going to be, you know, we're going to win. Yeah. We've, we've won three games on the spin. Yeah. You know, I'll guard against that as well. But, but look, the, the job in hand is West Brom. They're going to have to apply themselves, see where they go from here. But let's hope it's a positive result, mate. And 2 2. Yep. All 1 1. <laughs> right anyway so that brings us to the end of, of um yeah it brings us to the end of the podcast today and also our preview so just to remind you all um obviously you can access the podcast via acast overcast google podcast apple podcast amazon music also iHeartRadio, radio tuning radio and you can also access it via alexa if you say alexa please play the two saints podcast show on amazon music or on spotify so there we go that's the way to do that and also the email address for the show, the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com for any future issue, future features you'd like to see or any questions you may have. Yeah, Julia, so, everybody, thanks for listening. Take care of each other. Make sure you get your jab. Bye for now. Absolutely right. Yep, thanks for joining us both. Bye for now. And one more thing for me to say, the last thing for me to say is please join us again for the next podcast when the Two Saints go marching in again. Thanks very much. Goodbye.